follow patrons to the buffet and help ourselves to some food from their plates. Yep. Grab a plate. It's lunchtime. Uh, hi. How are you? You seem very nice. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Oh my favorite, y'all. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Look at her face. <laughs> she doesn't know what to do. Here he goes. Oh. Look, <laughs> Are you crazy? Oh, <laughs> Well, if you're not familiar with uh, the Impractical Jokers, um, it is a show that crosses many boundaries. And not having boundaries makes situations awkward at the least and upsetting at the most. A couple years ago, uh, we were in Florida and uh, we got to go kayaking in the Everglades, which was pretty cool. But our guide, let me tell you, our guide was not very fun at all because he kept saying that we needed to stay in the kayak, which isn't much fun, especially when there's beautiful, beautiful, like, Sun's rising pictures like this, um, just gorgeous with the lake there and the, the trees and the Everglades in the back. Uh, very difficult to get these pictures if you can't stand up and position yourself correctly. Um, then I tried to get a picture of myself with my infused uh, church t-shirt. Um, and you can see my blue t-shirt right there. And, uh, uh, but it made it really difficult to do that from the kayak. Um, and turns out there was actually a really good reason why, if you can see right there, that is like, uh, I think a 12 foot, give or take crocodile. Um, that was, or alligator, I think is the correct terminology anyways. Um, and so the point was that in the guide's point was that if you stay in the ki kayak, you'll be safe because as it turns out, the kayak was a boundary between you and the gators. And as long as you stay in the kayak, you'll be safe and happy and alive. Because as we've learned so far in the series, boundaries establish areas of responsibility. Boundaries establish what I'm responsible for and what you're responsible for. I was responsible for everything in the boat, and the gators were responsible for everything outside the boat. So the guide made sure that we knew we were safe as long as we respected those boundaries. And we're alive today to tell the story about that. Now, here's how that little story applies to our lives, is that boundaries are something that are taught. Boundaries are something that we learn. Someone has to guide us in the process of boundary development. Somebody has to teach us what that looks like to have healthy boundaries. And the unfortunate reality is for some of us, and I would be so bold as to say most of us, the people in our lives who are meant to guide us, often those who guide our lives, unknowingly undermine our boundary development. That the people in our lives who often take that guiding role, like our parents or our guardians or role models or foster parent or friends or boss or leader in our life, their, their role in some way, their responsibility in some way, is to help teach us 
uh, good boundaries, uh, but unfortunately, many times they unknowingly undermined our boundary development and vice versa. We are often in, in roles, whether we're a parent or we can speak in the lives of others, we often fall victim to undermining other people's boundaries. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to make us aware of that reality today. Give us a couple solutions and things to consider as we move forward, because this topic and boundaries really matters to God, because God created boundaries. In fact, God has boundaries. In fact, when God created us, he gave us boundaries. One great example of that is our skin. That is a boundary between the outside and the inside. And that skin keeps the inside safe from what happens on the outside. And in many cases, especially in the midst of this pandemic, we've learned that, you know, hey, it is healthy to protect um, our bodies. In a lot of cases, our skin does that for us. And then he modeled that. God modeled that for us. He, he told us very clearly what he will and will not allow in relationship with him. And we have the opportunity as well to learn and get better with boundaries, which will help us to help others also live healthier and happier lives because they too have good boundaries, especially for those of us, I think, who speak into the lives of the next generation, that it is so important and critical that they are raised in a way that helps develop boundaries rather than tear boundaries down. Now, I want to begin today by giving us a little bit of a psychological lesson, a psych class, if you will, to help explain the healthy version of boundary development, which will then help us contrast to the unhealthy and undermining version of boundary development, at least how it's supposed to go. When we're born, we uh, exist for the first few months of our lives in complete symbiosis, which means to swim with. In other words, we're kind of one with the people uh, who take care of us, primarily oftentimes our mother. We kind of exist as if we were one with them, and we see the world through their lens. And then about eight months or so into life, we begin to do uh, what's called often as growing up, or more specifically um, for today's topic, what's called separation or defining our individuality. And this process happens on and off for the next 18 plus years of our life as we grow into an adult. Now, to do this, to become separate, to define our individuality, we have to draw some lines. Essentially, we have to draw some lines in the sand between where you, mom or dad or parent or guardian or foster parent, where you end and I, the child developing, begin. And that's hard. That's difficult oftentimes for a lot of parents because it's hard when, you're, when your child is learning to crawl and walk and becomes independent and kind of starts to push you away. There's a well-known phase of this. It's called the terrible twos, right? There are, for many of us, it goes into threes as well. Terrible twos and threes. This is a process of individuality and separation. Uh, and it's messy and it's difficult, but this process is so critical to learning how and where to draw the lines of healthy boundaries. Where, as we've talked about in this analogy uh, of the fence, a fence around our yard, around our responsibility, where does this fence 
go in our lives? Where is the appropriate and healthy place to put boundaries in our lives to define what we're responsible for inside the fence and what other people are responsible for outside of the fence? And then more importantly, where do we put gates in our fence? Because fences, as we talk about, should breathe. They should be able to let things in and out. And especially a key area is where do we put the gate in our lives to allow good things in and bad things to stay out? Where do we figure out when to say, you know, that's too far or that's not far enough? That process of development of boundaries is really important and will have years and more than likely decades of impact based on how we have been taught those boundaries or how they have been undermined. And as I said, often those who guide our lives unknowingly, unintentionally, oftentimes undermine our boundary development. And it happens like this. Imagine if you um, were told that you were going to be given a piece of property and that that person who was going to give you this nice piece of property was going to hold you responsible for how well it was taken care of and how well it was guarded or protected. But, and here's the catch, they aren't going to tell you where the boundary lines to your piece of property even are. In fact, they're not even going to give you the tools to guard what is your responsibility or what responsibility they're giving to you. That would be exceptionally confusing, right? And frustrating. In fact, some of you like have work projects and situations in life where that happens, where your boss says, hey, I need you to do this. And um, you're like, I don't really understand the scope. Can you be more specific? Can you give me more details, but then they don't. And it's frustrating because they still expect a version of something that they haven't even given you proper instructions on how to figure out. Or in some cases, people will tell you where the boundaries are. They will give you the tools to do it. And then they will break the tools. They will break through those boundaries in a lot of ways, violate the boundaries that you have. And in extreme cases of child development, when children experience abuse or neglect, those boundaries are torn apart. And therefore, it's really hard for a child to, that grows into be an adult um, to have healthy boundaries and relationships because they never experienced what those felt like growing up. And it, maybe if that's you, and maybe this is a light bulb moment for you, realizing that you may have a boundary issues because of your past. We have an awesome counseling list here at Infused Church. You email me completely confidentially. I will send you that email, a list of counselors in our area so you can help process through this to take back healthy boundaries for yourself. Now, those are the extreme cases of abuse or neglect where we undermined boundaries. But I want to talk about, with the remaining time, one exceptionally common thing that we all do, I do it just as much, um, that we do to undermine kids and adults' boundaries and their boundary development. And to set this up, this common thing that we do that undermines people, um, I want to ask you a question and start with a question, okay? Here's the question. Why are you often afraid to set boundaries with someone? Why are you often unable to say no, to say that's wrong, to say, hey, that's not cool. I don't appreciate that. That could have been done better. I don't want to do that. Why is that hard for you? Why does it sometimes take an extraordinary amount of anger for you to finally put the line in the sand and say, there is the boundaries. Why does it take anger, extreme amounts for some of you, amounts of anger for you to actually establish a boundary? Because I think we're often 
you're often, I'm often, afraid. We fear, in fact, losing relationships. More specifically, more than relationships, I think we fear losing love. And I'm not just talking about like romantic love. I'm talking about the broad spectrum of love, of friendship, of family, of community. I think we fear losing that. We think we're going to lose it. Therefore, we don't establish boundaries because then we think because we establish the boundaries, people will walk away and will not love us. And the reason that is, is for many of us, we have to kind of go back to our childhood. The reason, the part of the reason that we fear losing those relationships and fear losing love is because when we were a kid and we did something wrong or we tried to get our own way, which is like what? 75% of childhood. We try to be defiant. We try to make a decision that our parents dislike, that our mom, dad, guardian get upset about, or, uh, you know, something like that. When, When we do that, what often will happen is a parent or parental figure will then withdraw affections. They will withdraw emotionally. And they will often sometimes, at least in how we communicate, because I know I've done this with, with our girls, unintentionally withdraw love. Because parents, isn't it true that when you punish your child or when you're upset with your child and you're yelling at them or you throw out some angry words, or why did you do that? Or, you know, you do some body language that shows them that you're not happy, eye roll, you kind of turn a shoulder to them, walk away, that kind of thing. Maybe even you get emotional and you tear up when, you're, when your child does something bad. Isn't it true that the last thing, you kind of know this, the last thing your child is receiving when you get exceptionally emotional about something that they did, especially when, it's, when they're trying to be defiant or they're saying no, that kind of thing. The last thing your child is hearing in that moment is the love you have for them. The last thing that they're hearing in that emotional moment for you is that you're patient, you're kind, you're forgiving. The last thing that they're hearing is, the truth you want them to learn. That the truth that you're hoping to get across from them, that their decision is going to lead to something bad or that you didn't ask them to do that and they were defiant, that kind of thing, that it's possibly even being lost in the midst of your anger, that they're not hearing it because they're so concerned about your emotional response. In fact, what happens often in kids' mind is they become afraid in a small part of themselves or a big part of themselves, they become afraid that the most important relationship in their life as a child, their parent or guardian, is withdrawing from them. Think about that. That even though you're trying to discipline your child or or punish your child or you're angry with your child, what they're hearing is that you're withdrawing from them. And to them, you are the most important thing, even though they may not treat you like that. You are the most important relationship they have in their life. And they fear losing your love. And in so doing, they can't even focus on the truth or the point that you're trying to get across. What they're hearing, ultimately, is that boundaries, saying no, having different decisions, different preferences, setting their own schedule, being their own individual is bad. Or they'll flip to the other side and they'll become exceptionally compliant and they'll believe that they just have to please everyone. 
or they'll act out and to some ex- a more intense degree to get that love and affection. Why? Because to set boundaries means that m- the most important relationships in my life will withdraw from me. In both cases, it undermines boundaries. It undermines their boundary development so that when they grow up, they fear that if they put boundaries out there, if they say no, then people around them are going to possibly withdraw from the relationship or withdraw their love. The Apostle Paul, uh, who was a uh, Christian hater who met Jesus and then became the biggest Jesus fan there ever has been and went around and planted a bunch of churches and wrote half the New Testament. Um, He saw this happening. In fact, he saw it. He wrote about it in multiple letters that he wrote to the church, churches around uh, the Mediterranean rim that he had started. He wrote to different churches all around and, and he addressed this particular issue because it had kept coming up over and over and over again. And so he mentioned it in his letters multiple times, okay, because it was such a big deal. And here, here's what he said in one of the letters he wrote to the church in Colossians. He said, children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. In other words, kids, your parents are generally trying to help. Your, your parents, generally speaking, are trying to raise you well. So please listen to them. Please follow their direction. And in so doing, it will le- be less likely to cause tension. However, Paul goes on. Paul recognizes that this is not just a one-way street, that it's not just children honor your parents uh, and your father and your mother, that the parents too, you too, parents, need to honor your kids. Specifically, he says, fathers, and fathers at this point is because most fathers would be in charge of discipline culturally in those days, but this applies also to mom as well, and or other parents or guardians. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. In other words, parents, when you speak, when you treat, when you punish your child in a way that leads to them feeling downcast, feeling that they lost a little joy of their life, or more importantly, that they lost a little bit of your love, be careful. Because ultimately, it could lead them to discouragement. Ultimately, it could start to chip away at the boundaries that they need to develop in their life to have a happy and healthy life. Now, I know none of you watching this morning, none of you fathers or mothers out there would ever annoy your children. None of you would ever overreact or react really emotional and strongly in a way that would ever discourage them. But on the off chance that you have ever been tempted to do so, Remember the words of Paul. Remember that your decisions and how you treat them could discourage them. Now, I don't want you to hear me say, oh, so Pastor Taylor, I can't be upset with my child. I can't discipline my child. Not at all what I'm saying. Because you need to set limits in your child's life, age-appropriate limits, and we'll get to that. But the thing that you cannot do is you cannot withdraw love. When they say no, you have to let them know that it's okay that they said no. Now, I'm not saying overreact and say, oh, it's so cute. You said no. Oh, I love it. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying overreact. I'm just saying you cannot respond with, well, you have to listen to me because I'm your parent. You cannot lash out in anger. You cannot aggravate them. You cannot bring them down because they are choosing to draw a boundary line. You need to work 
with them on that. Listen, your kids are barely responsible for their own emotions, let alone trying to deal with your emotions directed at them. They can barely understand their own emotions, let alone process yours. They don't understand that you spent that much on that toy. They don't understand how hard you had to work to get the money to buy that toy that they just broke. Be careful. Your emotions are powerful. Your role as a parent or a figure in another person's life or as a friend in another person's life or a parent or a a husband or a wife in someone else's life, be careful because you cannot withdraw love. Because then if they don't feel loved, they will not learn to develop boundaries because it's not worth developing a boundary if they think they're going to lose your love. Where we need to get to as leaders or parents or influencers or influencers in other people's lives is this right here. No is just as lovable as yes. Not overreacting, but that no is just as lovable as yes. So that way, when they're trying to figure out where that line goes, you can be there as an adult to help them to understand where that line should go. Or even as an adult, recognize that it would be really nice if other adults respected when we said no, wouldn't it? I mean, isn't it true as an adult? Sometimes you fear losing the love of those around you, and so you don't say no. You don't say no. Now, there's a tension here. Kids need to understand healthy limits and accept a no to keep them safe oftentimes and to learn boundaries. But you as an influencer or parent need to make sure that their, their no is just as lovable as their, lo- as their yes. Um, oftentimes, um, uh, Elia, our, our oldest, is uh, two and a half, so we're in the midst of this identity-defining time where she is learning um, what that she can actually push back against our will. I know it's shocking that anyone would ever disagree with um, such an awesome pastor parent as myself or my wife, um, but they, she does. And uh, oftentimes, uh, she is, she's entering this time when she's uh, playing a lot on her own, and she loves playing. She has so much fun playing. And it's just so fun to watch them play when they get to this age. Um, so then when we need to go somewhere or do something, her response, or she needs to go to the bathroom because we're potty training and all that good stuff, she says what? No, right? I'm having fun. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go do that thing. I don't want to get in the car. And so what we try really hard to do is when she says no, to not get emotionally, um, you know, built up, okay? We, we try to sit and understand and listen. Hey, I heard that you say no, that you didn't want to go. What are you working on? What are you playing with? Oh, that's really interesting. Asking questions, being curious about it. And then introduce that, hey, Elia, we need to go see a friend. And in fact, I told you about this earlier today that we were going to go see a friend and now it's time to go. Now, I realize, you know, seven times out of 10, uh, her response is going to still be no. And at which point we need to remember whether we're dealing with kids or adults, it really is the same regardless. We need to remember that hostile emotions rarely communicate Love And love is a much more powerful long-term motivator than hostility and anger. So remember, you're responsible for your emotions. As it turns out, your kids can actually not force you into anger. 
You can decide to become angry, but that's your responsibility. Remember, your emotions sit on your responsibility side of the fence, not your child's. So if you choose to get angry, you cannot honestly blame them. They can do a lot of things to push your buttons. I totally get that. But ultimately, the responsibility for your emotions is you, not your child. Your child didn't make you angry. You're choosing to get angry. Remembering where that goes and remembering that hostile emotions over your fence is not going to be a great motivator for your child and will undermine their boundary development. And this is true in kids uh, or when we become adults too. Maybe you're an adult who has adult children, okay, and your adult children choose not to show up this year for Christmas or something like that. You know, they're going to go off to the beach or somewhere really nice instead. And that really hurts you. And so you're tempted to kind of hit them up with some hostile emotions to guilt them into coming for, for Christmas or whatever that event is. But instead, I would encourage you to communicate something more like this. Hey, I'm disappointed that you won't make it for Christmas. So I'm still communicating what I feel on my side of the fence. But I hope you have fun and a relaxing time at the beach. You're still respecting their emotions. You've established the boundary of where your emotions are, but you have not put that emotion onto your adult child. Maybe a friend of yours says, no, I'm not going to hang out this evening. I need to rest or something like that. And it is so tempting. I fall victim to this all the time of like, well, you should come over. It's going to be a lot of fun, whatever, whatever. Okay. Instead saying, hey, I hear you. Thank you for letting me know. I hope you get some rest time and hopefully we'll see you next time. But I'm not going to leverage hostile emotion because that does not communicate love. That is not how God at least begins the conversation with us. He does not begin it with hostility. Eventually it may get to that point where he says, hey, this is disappointing. This is frustrating. This is not okay. But he doesn't start there. Number two, Use choices and boundaries to keep yourself in the place of love or no being just as lovable as yes. Use choices and, that lead to good boundary development. In other words, you're going to say, hey, son or daughter of mine, um, it is time for you to go to a timeout because you have chosen to disobey what I asked you to do. And you get so-and-so into the room or wherever timeout is and you say, you give them a choice. Hey, do you want the door open or shut? Now you have just given your child a choice. The boundary is established. that This is not okay. However, you still have a choice and involvement in this process. Your boundaries, child, still matter. And I want to give you those choices as long as I can. Do you want me to carry you or do you want me to walk with you? Breakfast is ready now. Next meal is at lunchtime. Age-appropriate boundaries, of course. But listen, I have prepared breakfast now. And your next meal is lunch. Do you want to brush your teeth now? Or do you want to reimburse me for my insurance premium or out-of-pocket deductible when we have to go to the dentist and you have 10 cavities? And they're going to respond, of course, and say, what's an out-of-pocket maximum and deductible and all that kind of stuff. But hey, now is a good time to learn. In fact, in the safety of your home is a great time to learn boundaries. What you're saying and using choices is saying, here's where my boundaries are, but I want to respect and give you freedom to choose that impact on you. And I realize it may sound harsh. I realize it may sound harsh, but if done with the intent of love, it can lead to good understanding and development. 
You do this with your employees. You do this with your coworkers, your roommates. You can even do this with yourself. You can give a choice while not compromising your boundary. And it will help keep you from getting to those hostile emotions. Otherwise, you'll be left feeling taken advantage of and used and manipulated that you have to pick up the slack. And that is a big old red flag when it comes to, I do not have good boundaries. Ultimately, Paul's goal and my goal for you, and I believe God's goal for you is that, and this is Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus, whom he also talked to about um, fathers and, and uh, children respecting their parents and, and parents respecting their kids. Ultimately, be rooted and grounded in love. Good boundaries can root and ground people in love. If, done, if used correctly and wisely and with loving intent, they can root people in love and will have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length and the width and the height and the depth of his love. That you have the opportunity as, a, as someone who has influence into another person's life to communicate the love of God by setting healthy boundaries and drawing people into what that looks like in a healthy way. We need to make sure we're checking ourselves and asking ourselves uh, this kind of a question. Hey, is my boundary, is my goal here? Is it trying to, is my emotion here helping to root or ground this individual in God's love? Or am I undermining love? Am I undermining the love of God? Am I mirroring God's boundaries with us? And we're going to talk about that more next week. That God sets boundaries for us and allows us to choose. He says, I'm not going to stop loving you. I'm not going to stop being with you. But it's completely up to you how you proceed forward. But just know that here's the boundary of good and bad. Here's God's boundary. You can be on either side of the fence if you want, but no, I would love to have you on my or God's side of the fence. You can think that, see that in the story of Jesus, that Jesus had came for, because God so loved the world to, to tell people very frankly and honestly, like, hey, you, you messed up. You have sinned, but I forgive you. Why? Because I love you. God loves you. So sin no more. And be with me. Have faith in me. Believe in me. He set the boundary of what was acceptable and what was not, but gave them the ultimate choice on how they chose to move forward in their lives. Now, this is a really complicated area with, you know, kind of some, you just got to make some wise decisions in there. You, you really need to lean on those in your life, um, like a small group or, or um, uh, a mentor or God when those emotions are a little too overbearing. Um, So to help you to process through this and make wise decisions, um, here are two excellent, excellent resources that you should definitely pick up. Or if you're not a big reader, get them on audiobook um, and and check out these two books, um, Boundaries by Henry Cloud. In fact, just really anything by Henry Cloud is fantastic. And then uh, The Ever uh, Reliable Parenting with Love and logic. It's all about helping establish boundaries, but giving people choices, children choices. It's applicable for parenting as well. Both of these books honestly help you in adulting as well. Here are the two discussion questions I want to leave you with today to discuss, uh, hopefully with those you're watching with or friends or family, maybe you can just call somebody up and ask them these questions. Hey, how have hostile emotions directed, directed towards you impacted you? 
Maybe when you were growing up, how have those hostile impact, uh, emotions impacted you? Were they encouraging or discouraging? How did they impact you? What does it say about God when he allows us to choose our actions and also experience the consequences? What does that say about God? Two big questions to process through, helping you to make love or no just as lovable as yes. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us with your wisdom, with your grace, help us to navigate this challenging part of life. The challenge of navigating through what it looks like to set boundaries, what it looks like to respect other people's boundaries, what it looks like to love people even when they set boundaries that maybe we don't like that much. Help us to navigate the difficult, challenging process that is um, parenting, that is being a good friend, that is being a good spouse, and loving people even in the midst of the moments when they say no. Heavenly Father, help us to have the courage, the strength to make the time, honestly, to better understand how you have set boundaries, how you love us in the midst of that, what you accept, don't accept, and how we can mirror that in our own lives, how we can love like you have loved us in our own lives and move forward by drawing people closer to you, by rooting people in your kind of love that have healthy boundaries a part of them. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Now I'm going to turn it over.